Hi, I'm Lippy. And I'm Grumpy. Together we're Lippy and Grumpy Do Podcasting. In this episode, Fainting Swimmers, Death of the Calorie, Windows Upgrade, and Is James Bond a Know-It-All? Now, Lippy. Yo, yo. Yo, yo. Thought I'd switch up this week. <laughs> oh, very good. Well, this is the last episode before my Holly Bobs. Yes. So there will Holly, be a gap of two weeks whilst I sun myself in Dorset. Possibly three? Uh, no, it's only two. We're away for two weeks and a day. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so we'll be back at some point. I would imagine the tales of <laughs> after <two> excitement. <laughs> well, possibly. Who knows? I probably won't remember where I live after two weeks. <laughs> anyway, last week when I was editing, uh, we mm. talked about the rhubarb cake the wife of Grumpy had made, and I called it a rhubarb yes. and crumble cake, which of course it wasn't. It was rhubarb and custard. Did you? Yes, I did. Yes, it was rhubarb and custard. Rhubarb and custard adorned with custard creams on top. And mm. very nice. And they had gone too. soggy as well. They were so good. They had gone a little bit soggy, which I quite like in a biscuit. Oh, yeah, I like a soggy biscuit. And the story of the midi breaking down outside the hotel, I omitted to say why we were chased away from the hotel. And it's in fact that the government have taken over this particular hotel and they're putting up asylum seekers in it. And rather sadly, uh. a number of other people decide it's quite a good idea to come and hurl abuse at uh, mm. these people which oh, is it's in Basingstoke it, it's on the outskirts of Basingstoke and I'm, I'm making no judgment about Basingstoke whatsoever because I don't know the area I, apparently it's quite common I, I was talking to somebody else at the weekend about oh and they mentioned the same thing they went to this hotel mm. by mistake because they had the wrong postcode from one of these travel websites and that was being used for asylum seekers and that was equally as heavily guarded I guess it does depend what they're being kept for. Well, certainly when they come to the country, they're seeking asylum. So they don't mm. let them roam freely whilst that's happening. They could go through a process. Hurling abuse at them is, is definitely not, uh, not the done thing at all. And I was pleased to have some feedback from Davros. He particularly liked the Swedish bin story. And I suspect that's because it... They look a bit like prototype Daleks, and because mm. it's a bit risque as well. Yeah. And he he went on to say the Swedish talking rubbish bin could be an example of nudge theory at work. Now I instantly thought he meant nudge nudge wink wink, as per the famous <laughs> Monty Python <laughs> sketch. But yes. no, it's a uh, Dutch uh, term that is nudging by encouraging the desired behaviour. So a good example, according to Davros, is in the urinal that has a spider etched into the enamel dead centre. The man would instinctively try to flush the spider so his jet would be aimed dead centre, thus avoiding splashes. Oh! Which is quite a good idea. I have heard of that before, or little targets in the water. So that's known as nudge theory. I think an actual target would be more fun than a spider. Like see, like a red circle with a red dot in, see if you can hit that. Yes, very possibly. But mm. you would know that was not true, whereas with spider... Mind you, we'd have some people try and get the spider out of the urinal, so it could cause a bit of confusion. So maybe the target is a better bet. 
Yeah, and if they're really scared, they might go running out the urinal and maybe wee themselves. Uh, we all over the place, yes. So, yes, never as simple as you think, is it? <laughs> it's not, no. Not when it comes to us. <laughs> no, quite, quite. Now, I rented about James Bond films on Amazon last week. And I mm. sat down on Sunday. I was very pleased to find that Moonraker was on ITV, which mm. is, is one of my favourite ones, only because it's got the space shuttle in it. But I think we yes. talked, talked about before James Bond sort of going around the world and just being a bit annoying. Yeah, I, I getting realize, in people's business. Yeah, just, just poking his nose in. But he's also a bit of a know-it-all. He is a bit of a know-it-all. Yeah. The a bit of a sassy know-it-all as well. Sassy? I'm not sure about that. But he goes into M's office and there'll be a comment about something, whether it's a nuclear weapon or a Fabergé egg, and you'll know everything about it. This is not possible. <laughs> and in Moonraker, he seems to know how to do everything in, in the space shuttle. I mean, when does he have time to read the manual? Well, MI... What was he, MI6? Uh, I believe so. Well, they probably do intensive training on everything. What, on American space shuttles and Fabergé eggs? Yeah, hedge your bets. At some point, you might see one. I think he's just a bit of a, an irritating know-it-all. Mm. And the later Bonds don't seem to do that. I don't think um, Daniel Craig's done that. Daniel Craig's David... David? David. <laughs> Daniel... Craig Daniel... David. I don't know. <laughs> Daniel I Craig James David. Bond and I said David. <laughs> Daniel Craig David. Because Dave... Craig David is Craig David. That's why. That's why I went David. But Daniel Craig's James Bond seems to be a bit more on the thicker side. Oh, that's a bit harsh. Well, he's just more about his good looks and his average skills. He falls over a lot, falls off of things a lot. Well, I think that's called being human. Being clumsy. Well, you would know about that. I would. <laughs> I can Bought a fellow accident prone from anywhere. <laughs> yes, it takes one to know one, I believe the phrase is. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> my book. Now, a few weeks ago, we were talking about calories on on menus yes. and mm. got into a bit of a tiz because things that appear to be more healthy for you or better for you may have a higher calorie content than something that's not quite as good for you. And you choose yes. the not quite so good based on fewer calories. So, mm. completely coincidentally, and this may come under the uh, folder of confirmation bias, I found an article on The Economist that I managed to extract, and it talks about death of the calorie, basically, is the title of it. And it, its premise is, our fixation with counting calories assumes that both all calories are equal, and that all bodies respond to calories in identical ways. And it goes on to say, this is just not the case at all. So uh, research shows that when different people consume the same meal, the impact on each person's blood sugar and fat formation will vary accordingly to their genes, lifestyle, and unique mix of um, gut bacteria. And it then goes on to say things like, uh, you absorb fewer calories eating toast that has been left to go cold. And I know that eating cold boiled potatoes has a different effect on the body than, than hot ones in terms of how the carbohydrates are processed. It finishes off, it's a very long article, there's a lot in it, it's, it's a good read, but, and it backs up our, uh, what we were saying, so it's a good article. Uh, many of us know instinctively that not all calories are the same. 
a lollipop and an apple may contain similar number of calories, but the apple is clearly better for us. But after a lifetime of hearing about the calorie and its role in supposedly foolproof diet advice, we could be forgiven for being confused about how best to eat. It's time to lay it to rest. And I wholeheartedly mm. agree with that. I do too. Because, as we've said, eating a piece of food, you can't boil that down to a number of calories. If you're boiling no. stuff down to, it's quite complex, down to one metric, it's not right. Not right at all. So thank you, the economists, for printing that. We agree. So we've just bumbled over one another, but I've taken it out in the edit, but you've got a funny story. Well, it's not a story. Oh, that's a disappointment. It's, a, it's, a, it, it's going to be a funny story. Oh, okay. It's the pre preness to a funny story. Oh, okay. So I had a message from Chris today, and he had had a he works on linkedin a lot with people and someone sent him a linkedin message saying that he should give this a try Mm. and i really think we should give it a try and just see what happens as a little experiment basically it's a tip for newlyweds or people due to be married soon and it's to send a wedding invite to every billionaire whose address we can find because there's a 50-50 chance that their assistant will just send you a gift without wondering who the hell you are. Oh, Just yeah. knowing that they're not going to go, so just sending a gift back. Yes. So I think I'm going to try and see what happens. I don't know whose addresses we can find, but if anyone's got any, give us, give us them. I think they're quite hard to come by. Mm. But managements, companies... For celebrities, they're quite easy to find. Oh, they're very easy to find. In fact, there's a publication um, we had when you were doing your Tanzania trip. Mm. And you, you got, I think it's a subscription and you get essentially all the famous people's agents. Yeah. But a lot of that is, you can find it on the internet without paying. Yeah. So I might have a little looky for some famous people. Because really the other alternative is that they turn up and then how sick would that be? Depends who it is. Well, I'll only pick people that I'd want to turn up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So turn up and go, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, did I invite you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you can't come. You might no, be no, famous, but in. you're no, not invited. I really didn't think you'd come. <laughs> Just wanted a gift. <laughs> yeah. That'll pay for the honeymoon, doing that. In a similar vein, the Screaming Tomato used to work for Harrods many years ago. And Ooh. their customer services department, which is unlike any other customer services department mm. in any other shop or company. And a lot of them do personal shopping. And they'd worked out that they'd had a number of items they'd sold, but they couldn't remember who they'd sold them to. So they wrote to these very rich people saying, um, we, we've had a, there's been a bit of a mess up basically in our uh, invoices system we've got these items if you've bought these could you please let us know and send a check in uh, we're not mm. talking about you know, 29.99 pound jumper it's substantial amounts of money yeah. anyway so they sent these letters out and then in came the replies and they made more money than just <laughs> from them just sending thinking, they're gone yeah. oh we must have bought that write a check for however many thousand pounds and send it in so on that basis it could work it could work yes i mean i'm not a certified harrods person but i'm gonna try 
No, it's a numbers game, isn't it? If you, yeah, exactly. if you send it to enough people. Now, in the news last week, although actually it's a news item from last November, so it's not that topical, <laughs> but uh, it's talking about octopuses, squid and lobsters have been recognised as sentient beings in the UK. What's a sentient being? So sentience is a subjective concept that's been batted around for centuries but it generally refers to the capacity to consciously perceive feelings and sensations like pain. Oh, I knew that about octopuses. I didn't know that about squid, lobsters and... Did you say crab? Uh, Lobsters, octopuses and squid. Didn't mention crab. Oh, I knew that about octopuses. Yeah, uh, which is really quite interesting. Mm. Uh, Oh, no, it does include crabs and crayfish. Crayfish? Some sort of mollusk. And cuttlefish, so which is interesting because th- th- cooking lobster, which is it's a horrible, slightly thing. barbaric, yeah. it, really barbaric. So presumably that has to stop. I would presume so because it's torture. Well, yeah, basically, and yeah. yes, very interesting. And I, I really like octopuses or eating octopi. them. No, not eating them. Oh. <laughs> I think they're they're amazing amazing things have you watched the netflix show the octopus man no i haven't you need to watch that it's incredible it's a big it gets a bit weird in the middle but it is very good how weird at one point you do think that he is fully in love with this octopus but not in like a weird, not in like a naughty way. Just he's very connected to the octopus. It is a bit odd, but it is very good series. Does it have Paul the octopus in it at all? I don't know who Paul the octopus so, is. So there was an octopus called Paul, and I can't remember which World Cup it was, but somehow this octopus called Paul had managed to predict the result of most of the games, including the final. <laughs> goodness only knows how. <laughs> And how you interpret... Luck. It's a bit like the goldfish or the fish driving the tank, wasn't it? If you remember mm, the yes. Tr- yeah, so not quite sure that's uh, no. quite quite a thing. But apparently the, the boiling lobsters alive thing is illegal also in Switzerland, Norway, Austria and New Zealand. So wow. And on a water theme in The Guardian last week, there was a report of a dramatic rescue at a world championship after the swimmer faints and sinks to the bottom of the pool which oh is oh my god yeah that's really, terrifying yes absolutely and one of the one of the odd things i like seeing is a swimming pool going to rest so that the water's all calm yeah. something about that but when you've got six lanes or whatever of people cracking up and down them the ability to see people at the bottom is actually quite restricted mm. so they did well to uh to, to spot her yeah um, i assume she's okay well she's alive anyway so uh so yes well done the uh the rescue people some cracking photos on there as well of her being rescued but it reminded me of the old joke that if you have a synchronized swimming team and one of them drowns do the rest of them have to go with him or her which is <laughs> <laughs> a bit cruel now the Horse Whisperer's car, which is a now 21-year-old Mitsubishi Shogun, has been acting up of late. And it's been a traumatic year and quite an expensive year, it has to be said. Yes. Yeah, if you recall the stories of the MOT test. Anyway, we, we replaced a radiator a few weeks back. 
and I'm not sure whether it was doing it before we did that or whether it's afterwards, but when she's been towing with the horse mm. box and trailers in, it's it's begin to start acting very strange. So the revs suddenly go up and it's overfueling yeah. and there's all sorts of black smoke and what have you. Turn it off, leave it 15, 20 minutes, start it, runs happy as Larry. And with the trailer off, absolutely fine. So he did it again last week. So did some reading on the internet, found these motor speed sensors and there was a gentleman who'd had exactly the same problem replaced those everything fine so i have a look online and these uh sensors are genuine mitsubishi sensors 25 pounds each and you need two of them so if a part's cheap you know it's a common problem mm. so we got these these two things and you have to strip quite a bit off the engine to get to it in terms of panels and, and yeah. stuff so on Sunday we tackle this. Having been at a wedding on Saturday, and <laughs> I was so bit, hungover on Sunday. I wasn't hungover because I stopped drinking. Um, you did, yeah. Uh, but I've got an interesting story about that for later. Anyway, yeah. So anyway, so one of them is very easy to replace. Uh, the other one was a nightmare. You couldn't actually see the bolt, so you had to push. Uh, a very small socket set, a quarter-inch drive socket set, with a universal joint. And the universal joint that I had in the kit wasn't flexible enough, so we had to drive to Halfords on Sunday to buy one. So we got it on, they got this thing off, and I'm thinking, how on earth are we going to get that bolt back in? So an hour later, and some very, very bad language from me, we got this thing in. Anyway, so we got the whole car back together again. Except we've got one lead which was loose and it didn't look like it'd been plugged in for quite some time. So we go, oh, don't know where that goes. Mm. So left it to one side, started it, and the behaviour it was doing beforehand is now doing when it's cold. So we've angered oh, it. Oh, God, made you it made it worse. <laughs> so, well, in some ways we looked at it and thought, well, actually, it's doing it all the time and actually trying to fix an intermittent fault is a lot harder than trying to fix a one that's there all the time. Yeah. Theory. Anyway, so I can't do any more with this. So I'm searching through the internet and I find this bloke called Phil down in Southampton. And he's started the business at home, just selling secondhand spares in 2005, and has now got a big unit uh, near Cal Shot with. He's got trained mechanics. He can do all sorts of diagnostics. So I phone him up and explain the situation. And he goes, oh, yeah, well, it could be the pump. I said, I don't think it is, only because we replaced it seven years ago. And it wasn't given the same problems as it was before. But I said, if it's the pump, it's the pump, which is quite expensive. But that's beside the point. Anyway, it turns up today to pick it up. So they brought a trailer up because I didn't want to drive it down there. No, Uh, What a lovely bloke really yeah. unfortunately it's the middle of the day so my time's a bit restricted but mm. uh, we had a good old chat and he was telling me this story he's bought a speedboat because he's so close to Southampton water yes nice he's fitted a 300 horsepower engine to this oh god but um he realized that the back of the boat where you hang the motor wasn't strong enough and obviously mm. that's quite a lot of power there so yeah. he's had that all redone gets it in the water goes bombing around suddenly realizes this thing's sinking it's got oh, water in God. so his mate who's with him said um i think we should stop and he and phil goes nah he says let's get back 
to shore. So yeah. he opens the throttle up. The GPS shows them doing 78 miles an hour across the course. Oh, my it's God. just ludicrous. And his mate's going, right, you need to beach it. And Phil's going, no, 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 we'll get it back on the trailer. Don't you worry. So yeah. they, they phone their other mate with the, with the car and the trailer. He reverses onto the slipway. And he basically just sort of jumps rams the boat up drives it straight yeah, up straight on get it out of the water and they find the, some sort of bilge pump or something that had been fitted to the new transom the clip hadn't been done hung up tight enough so the pipe oh, so was off. pushing yeah, was through he said the thing was if i'd stopped it wouldn't have it come in no, yeah. it wouldn't. No, oh, it wouldn't, wouldn't come have. in. And they could have bailed it out, done the clip up, and off they went, he said. <laughs> but the problem is, when a boat's sinking, you carry on going. Yeah, because if you stop it's nine out of ten worse. times, it's, it's going to get worse. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, that doesn't apply to the Titanic. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True. So, so I'm expecting a phone call any minute with um, some... Well, Good news. Well, no, because I showed him the, the, the cable, and he went... Oh no, that's probably quite important because it goes down towards <laughs> the pump. So it could be as simple as reconnecting that and jobs are good. But he can read all the diagnostics, which you need some very expensive Mitsubishi kit, yeah. kit for because it's old and it's not a universal thing. So um, yeah, so that's been a bit of a bit of a nightmare. Sore subject, mm. put it mildly. But hey ho. <laughs> now we're big fans of Rowan Atkinson. Yeah. Yes. And we watched the first episode of Man vs. Bee. And oh, I've heard about this. It's really good, but Is it? it's really tense. Oh, no. I'm not going to give the story away, but I'm not sure I could watch any more. It's too tense. <laughs> uh, it's, too he's much. brilliantly filmed and acted. There's great people in it, but I just, just mm. I might try one more. Okay. And I think something horrible happens to a very expensive Aston Martin. So, oh. um, but yeah, I'm, yes. Yeah. Not going to be good, but uh, I was interested to see this week the Mars Orbiter that runs on Windows, which I was very surprised at. Uh, I thought, well, it like your computer Windows, like your computer Windows, uh, but it's running on Windows 98. What, <laughs> yes, and a, yeah, so it's, it's 20 years since they launched it, so you know, it was reasonably up to date then. Mm. Yeah, so they're going to upgrade it, presumably missing out Vista and Windows 8, so those are a bit rubbish. Do they upgrade it whilst it's still up in the orbit, or do they land it, upgrade no, it and all, send no, it back no, up? No, because we can't, I don't think we've got them to go back up again, with possible some exceptions, but um, no, this is an orbiter, so presumably it has to pick up the upgrade as, as it goes past, well, as it can see the Earth. I don't know quite how it works. Um, but it's it's used to map the surface of Mars and looking for signs of water. Mm. But, uh, I would have thought if Windows 98 was working, I'd leave it. Wait and see what happens there. Well, I've had so much grief from upgrading software and updating software that um, I was a little bit nervous about doing it. Mm. But, uh, Yes, so that will be that will be interesting to see how long that takes. Now, I think we've mentioned Stephen Bartlett before. One of the yeah, I love him. Quite a quite a young chap, very enigmatic. Yes, and uh, I I listened to a couple of his Diary of a CEO podcasts. Really interesting. Something. Really very very good, and I've been picking who I listen to. That's what I do. But interesting, he was saying one of the attractions to it is if you if you simply listen to it, you're 
hear things from people you have no idea who they are. Mm. Actually, quite useful information, which is quite good. But they had Chris Voss on, who wrote um, Never Split the Difference. So he was an FBI negotiator, hostage mm. negotiator. Um, very, very expert at that sort of thing. But he wasn't always, so he managed to get himself into that field by uh, determination and hard, hard work. But what was really interesting, and I've got the book, and I think I've listened to the audio book as well, but they actually did a dummy session where they're negotiating. Between oh. and obviously, it's a stage thing. But yeah. what Chris Voss talks about a lot is the tone of voice that you use with people. Yeah. And he has what he calls the late night day DJ voice, which is the one <laughs> that he would use naturally to calm people down. Yes. And he gives examples of different sorts of voices. But actually hearing him do it is really good. And oh, okay. So um, Stephen Bartlett starts off with this demand. You know, I want a car here in five minutes or I'm going to shoot the hostages, that type of thing. Mm. And, and Chris then carries that conversation. It explains why he's doing what he's doing. He said, because obviously I can't do that in five minutes. And the last thing I'm going to do to him is lie to him. I'm never going to do that. And yeah, the conversation goes on, the negotiation goes goes on from there. Um, but it's the tone of voice that he uses. Yeah, it is really interesting. Um, but I then picked out another couple. And there's the later ones, the production quality, so there's video and there's sound, are extremely good. And mm. then there was one where he's explaining no video and not quite as good sound quality about how he decided to take the podcast on further so originally yeah. like us he's done it because he likes doing it yes uh, and then he took it a bit seriously so he managed to get some sponsorship and he explains how he did that but he went to his uh, producer and said i want to up the quality of this um what do you think we need to spend so he came back with a figure of a couple of thousand pounds and Stephen Barley said, well, but I really want it the best podcast on the planet in terms of video mm. and editing and, and all of that. So it all, I'll have a think about it. Came back with a figure of £45,000. Oh, my God. Yes. So I've had a word with wife of Grumpy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I've got a budget of £4.50. Perfect. Yeah. Nailed, nailed that negotiation, <laughs> yeah. didn't you? I, th I thought so. So all of that information in Chris Voss's book didn't work at all. Well, it worked for one of you. Yes, it did. Yes. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, so I, if, you've, if you're interested in, well, really anything, and particularly if there's people on there you recognise, it's, it's quite good. I, I listened to John Caldwell, who was the, who started Phones for You about 20, 25 years ago. And uh, he's, he's had probably some worse press than... Uh, he deserves in many respects uh, but mm. it was interesting to hear about his interactions with other people and how he recognized that his approach to doing things is very different from other people's and in one particular case of one of his uh, managers that just just couldn't cope anymore and he phoned him from the car on the way to work into and said i can't come in and oh, he, yeah he managed to, he, he took time off which they supported him and then they put him into a slightly different role with less uh, pressure and he's you know he's gone on to do really good things or went on to do really good things in the company so uh, apart from appearing like a hard-nosed businessman he is actually quite a decent which, yeah, which, yeah. Was, which was good to hear so highly mm. recommend that diary of a ceo i think it drops on a monday morning 
Yes, there's a very interesting one with a girl that you may not be very interested in, but her name's Molly May. And she was a runner-up in Love Island, which I know you don't like, but actually she has done so much for herself and grown so massive as a person of influence. It's really actually quite interesting to see how she went from runner-up of Love Island to, I think, she's creative director of a of Pretty Little Thing, which is a very big clothing brand. Yes, I have heard of that, Pretty Little mm. Thing. Uh, when I hear Molly... Molly May. Molly? I always hear, hear Molly Maid, which is the house <laughs> the cleaning, cleaning company. Yeah. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, which is, this is a bit daft, but um, that's what happens when you get old. Mm. Mm, indeed. Now, as a gentleman in the US... And he had PayPal accidentally credit his account with, are you ready for this, $92 quadrillion. Oh, my God. I hope he got into that account as quick as possible and transferred out before they noticed. Sadly not. Oh, um, no. The, the wealth is over a thousand times greater than the impl- entire planet's gross domestic product so what we i really so want really does it do you know what went wrong i want to know what went wrong no well that's odd because if you've got more money than the entire world how do you then transfer that or how does that appear in somebody's account a he noticed it on the monthly email statement a by the time he logged in it had gone yeah so, i bet that was a mistake very quickly fixed i i would have thought so and i but i'm surprised that it actually happened at all you'd think there'd be some checks in there with mm. uh, certainly unusual certainly transfer limits well yeah exactly transfer limits but also unusual movements as well that mm. would red flag flag it, it. But maybe that's what happened. It red flagged and somebody would have looked and went, oh, no, that's yeah. not right. Because, mm. But where did that come from? That's, it's got to nice. be a, a coding error because... Yeah, rather than an actual amount in his bank. Well, yeah, I mean, presumably it had been transferred from one place to another, mm. but then that amount of money doesn't exist. So how on earth do you do that? Crazy. Unfortunately, we'll never, never know. No. No. When I was contracting, I I had a savings account, so I used to keep all my tax money every month, put it in the savings account, and then transfer it back into the current account to pay for the tax bill at the end of the year. Anyway, so I did this, and it was however much it was, but they did it twice, so that somehow or other they managed to transfer twice, but it only appeared once on the savings account, so only one lot had come out, but two lots had appeared in my um, current account. So and you kept it? I kept quiet about it. I didn't spend Obviously. it. Mm. very quiet about it. Keep it for a couple months and then see what happens. Well, I can't remember how long it was, but then I got a phone call from them saying, we think we've made a mistake. Oh, really? Yes, I, <laughs> no, I didn't I, notice, oh, but look no, at my brand I, new car. <laughs> I'd, I'd, have to, I'd have to look at, uh, look, look, talk to my accountant about that. I don't know where you stand if you spent it, though. But I think it's yours. Similar thing happened to Duck Boy, but it, they never took it back out of his account. He doesn't know where it came from. He flagged it with his bank. Okay. And they looked into it because it was a transfer. Someone had transferred into his bank account. So it wasn't like the bank. It was another yeah. uh, another account transferred into his bank account. Two grand. Blimey. So he flagged it to his bank because I think if it's over, over a certain amount, it counts as theft if you don't raise it. 
Or is that if you find it? So, yeah. So he flagged it and they were like, oh, we'll have a look and see if we can find where it's come from. But they could only get the bank name. They couldn't get any account details. And then they were like, we'll give you a call in two weeks. And he didn't hear back from the bank. So he kept it. Yeah. Where where can you send it back to? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Mad. No. I think in accounting yes. terms, you'd end up with something like a suspense account where it would end up. Mm. So you'd have all the, a bit like the odd sock drawer. Really. Yes. <laughs> the odd payments end up in a suspense account. Yeah. And maybe there was some sort of confab that can go on that would mm. um, connect the two. But, uh, oh no, good for him. Yeah. Right, aside from keeping money that's sent to you in error, have you got a top tip for this week? I do have a top tip. I... I have a top tip, but you have. I've got to set the scene. Okay. There's a, there's a scene setting. So this is a top tip that I saw with my eyes. Okay. In in my office building at work, and it's plastered on the wall. But first, imagine the normal lift is in use, the sketchy lift that has been broken for over a year, and now when you go up in it, it shakes from side to side, so you don't get that lift. Is the no, only one available? Not. So I went up the stairs because I'm not getting in the sketchy lift, especially as I kind of needed the toilet. So I was like, this is just not going to end well. No. So we started going up the stairs. We're on the third floor. So three flights of stairs. (laughs) I'm not a very fit person. So I'm like trundling up. By the time I get to the second floor, I'm exhausted. And at the halfway turn from the second floor to the third floor, there is a bright yellow wall and on the wall, in black letters, it says, never look backwards or you'll fall down the stairs. It's very wise words. That is a very, very wise top tip, I thought. It is. However, how many people have fallen down the stairs whilst reading the notice? Or stopping to take a picture like I did. <laughs> yeah, it's quite causing, <laughs> causing a blockage on the stairs. Yeah. yeah. But that is quite a good... Uh, Quite good advice, I would say. Yes. Yes. Well, as promised, I've got more from the where did those words come from. Mm. So, and I haven't got my reading glasses. So, I'm going to have to. So, this could be quite hit and miss. Blunder my way through this. So, the saying for this week is the face that launched a thousand ships. Oh. So, the face that is of the legendary beauty, Helen of Troy. And the ships were the Greek fleet, which sailed for Troy to avenge the king of Sparta. In Greek legend, Helen was the daughter of Zeus, a leader, and wife of... I really shouldn't have picked this one, because it's got lots of very difficult to pronounce words that I can't <laughs> quite see. Uh, the wife of the king of Sparta. She eloped with Paris, prince of Troy, and the angry, whoever it was, sent a thousand ships to lay siege to the city of Troy. The fabled Helen is now the archetype of female beauty. Oh. So her face, Helen of Troy, launched a thousand ships in anger, which is a bit that gets dropped off. So the phrase was first used by Christopher Marlowe in um, a book called Dr. Fastus, published in 1604. Interesting. After Christopher Marlowe's passing. And the phrase was, was this the face that launched a thousand ships and burnt the topless towers of Ilium? So actually, it's an angry saying. It is an angry saying, yes. I'm so angry. I got the face of someone who could launch a thousand ships. Uh, yes, yeah, something like that. That's quite convoluted, <laughs> but yes, you, yes, 
I think so. Yes, it's not a necessarily good thing. No. Anyway, as we said at the beginning of this rather long and rambling episode, that yes. um, I'm on Hollybobs for two weeks. So two weeks. Nothing for the next two weeks. And then nothing. we'll be back to our usual nonsense. So see you in two weeks. Bye. That's it for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can help spread Lippy and Grumpy's view on life by leaving a review on your favourite podcast platform. If you're not sure how to leave a review, or if you download from Spotify, there's some help at lippyandgrumpy.uk slash review. And if you would like to get in touch, email podcast at lippyandgrumpy.uk. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. Goodbye. Goodbye.